You're listening to the Miscarriage Doula Podcast. I'm your host, Arden Cartret. This space is meant to be a tool for you to feel less alone and to learn more about how to get through what you've been through and what you're probably going through. We'll hear diverse stories from women and men in the online space, experts, and people just like you and me who are feeling the effects of miscarriage and loss in real time. This is the Miscarriage Doula Podcast. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to episode nine of the Miscarriage Doula podcast. Today is a really great episode, and I feel like I say that every time because I keep having these really awesome conversations with people, and a lot of them are conversations with people I've connected with over Instagram, but I've never talked one-on-one with. And Dr. Jessica Zucker is one of them. She is the woman behind the I Had a Miscarriage movement, um, the handle on Instagram, the hashtag that we use to look for support. I, It was a complete honor to have her on, and I think I told her that at least 50 times. I'm a total fangirl whenever I really idolize somebody, and it was really nice to connect with her outside of the Instagram world because we've connected here and there through Instagram, but just to sit down and talk about our experiences with loss and our life experiences that loss has played a part in with our family and with our friends, it was really great. Um, The reason I had her on was because she just came out with a book called I Had a Miscarriage, a movement, a memoir, and it is written about her experience with miscarriage and why she talks so openly and it also dives into her work and it's just a great book so whenever I first started reading it I thought that it was going to be like a how to get through loss type of book and I didn't want to advise people to read something that would trigger them and so I was really excited to dive in and to know more about this book so I can share it with all of you And I have to tell you that I think that this book is perfect for any stage of your journey. If you had a miscarriage yesterday, if you had a miscarriage five years ago, 10 years ago, it's such an excellent book because it validates everything. It validates everything that you experience. And I think that I personally have found myself reading it thinking, yeah, I felt that way and I thought I was the only one. Um, So it's a great book. I can't say it enough. I cannot thank Jessica enough for coming on. I do have to warn you guys, we get kind of deep into my family history, which was not planned, but um, we both grew up in Jewish families and reading that in the book, it started some conversation with the way that Jewish families handle pregnancy and miscarriage and talking about periods. And so that kind of had us dive into our family um, and she was a bit fascinated with my family which is totally fine because I'm an open book um but I just loved how intimate this conversation was and I hope that you guys enjoy it all right Jessica thank you so much for joining me today it's an honor to have you on the podcast before we hit record I started to tell you about how you um you really created the space for people like me to openly share miscarriage on the internet. Um, I don't think I had seen it before I found the hashtag. I had a miscarriage and then used the hashtag. 
So it's really like, it's, it's totally an honor to talk to you and for you to be on the podcast today. Well, it's such an honor to be here. And I'm so excited that you've created this important and meaningful podcast. So thanks so much for having me. And I had no idea that, so you hadn't been sharing about your loss before, before you found the, I had a miscarriage, um, hashtag. I had not. Um, I started my account anonymously and I was just, you know, writing about my infertility and how frustrating it was. And Mm. I felt so much shame where like, I didn't want anybody to know my name or my photo attached to that account because I felt so much shame for wanting to be a mom. It was the weirdest feeling. And, um, Then I got pregnant and it was a threatened miscarriage. And so I started looking at hashtags and that's when I found your, I had a miscarriage page and the hashtag. And so, um, I think the first time I posted about my miscarriage in detail, like I used the hashtag and everything and I've I've used it every time I've talked about miscarriage since. (laughs) Oh, that's so incredible. It's, it's so heartening to hear that because, you know, it's like, I've done all of this work or this writing and, you know, been very vulnerable in the process, but it's, you know, it's kind of hard to know the impact it's actually making on individuals. I mean, I do receive direct messages from people and notes and things, but like, wow, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. And I'm so glad that you, that you're now so public about your experiences because it's helping so many people too. Yeah. Well, and, and something about the way that you're open is so raw and it doesn't hold back on details where it normalizes these really difficult details for people to hear. Um, I wrote, so whenever I was anonymous, I was blogging and then I put my name to it, but I wrote a blog post about my miscarriage and I wrote in detail the size of my baby when my baby fell on the floor and, you know, details like that. And so, um, I was not, how far along were you? I don't know this. I was nine weeks. And so, um, it was the night before my DNC, which I had a male doctor that told me if it happened at home, it would just be a heavy period. It wouldn't be anything terrible. And it was, uh, I mean, it's three years later and I still struggle with trauma from it, but I wrote so openly about it and it's really accounts like yours and people like you who also write so openly about it. Um, Mm. And I think I, so I shared your book on my Instagram page and I wrote in the caption, something else that you taught me that I think is a really interesting thing in the miscarriage community is, um, is normalizing, like talking about just women's reproductive health in general, in like terms of the term abortion and, like, uh, yes. because it's, it's not just aborting unwanted pregnancies. And I actually mm. feel like your page educated me a lot on that. Um, mm. but it, it, like, it helped me dive into that a little bit more. And so, so do you mean the stuff I've written about like terminating for medical reasons or do mm-hmm. you mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, so you don't really, you know, um, I was very uneducated before, very naive and only thought that abortion was whenever you didn't want a baby. Right. And so then you enter the world of miscarriage where you start to see the word abortion when you did want a pregnancy and it's ending. Right. And it's confusing. And I think that the education around the terms abortion and spontaneous abortion and 
although they're horrible because of the social stigma, um, you know, educating women that way we feel less blame and less shame around it is really important. Amazing. I'm so happy to hear that you feel that way. And yeah, I couldn't agree more. I feel like it's a real shame that I've seen within the pregnancy and infant loss community, a real sort of shunning of people who terminate for medical reasons. Uh, and that there seems to be this kind of hierarchy that exists within grief and within loss that somehow, because somebody terminated a wanted pregnancy, uh, that somehow they're not allowed to grieve or that they don't uh, deserve the same amount of support. And I just, I hate right. that. I, I, I don't want that for our people, you know? Yeah. Well, and you um, wrote in about, um, I think it was a client or a friend in your book who mm. terminated for um, medical reasons. And she just, she just told people she experienced a miscarriage and like she worded it to fit kind of the narrative of what society would deem appropriate to mourn with her. And so I, I found that mm. to be, you know, really sad because I, I haven't been in that position and I empathize and how horrible. Um, I just yes. can't imagine. It's like the politicization of termination uh, that then makes people feel like they can't be honest and real yeah. about what they've actually lived through. And I think it's the, it's culture silence that actually turns into guilt because I think, you know, most people who terminate for medical reasons, I mean, yes, they go back and forth maybe. And yes, it's a horrible thing to face an awful quote unquote decision or quote unquote choice. Uh, But then to be met in a world where you're being told like, how dare you, how terrible of you, you're a bad person. I mean, then that seeps in and people feel this guilt, even though they know that this baby would have died or this baby wouldn't have had a life, uh, you know, that was, uh, a a life that could be led. Yeah. And so I think we could do better as a pregnancy loss community to really try to put ourselves in the shoes of other people before we judge or before we comment or before we evaluate, because we can't know until we're in it. Right. Right. And, and, and I mean that we can't really judge. I feel like we can't judge anything in the pregnancy loss community because everybody experiences it so differently and really no two losses look alike. No two ways that people handle loss is the same. And, and I I think that it's just not our place to judge how people handle a loss at all. Yes, I agree. Well, actually though, speaking of yours, because I feel like I don't know the details and I'm sorry that I don't, but Um, so when was your loss and what do you mean? Like you, you were on your way to the bathroom and the, and the fetus came out or. Um, so my first, I've had two miscarriages. My first miscarriage was in 2018 and I knew it was, um, I knew that I had lost the baby and it was the night before Mm -hmm. my DNC. I got up to go to the bathroom and felt like I had went to the bathroom, um, like on myself. I was wearing an adult diaper in case it happened. And, um. I went oh. to the bathroom, pulled down my pants and it was, and then it like, it fell on the floor. Um, yeah. So like it happened. I so guess had you was, been in pain? Like, were you having contractions or, or cramping or? Up until that point? No. But then once I had woken up and it started to where, um, 
like mm-hmm. with first trimester losses, this I've learned this from having two of them now. Um, you pass two really large sacs. And so that's mm-hmm. something that was never explained to me. And so whenever I passed one sack, I thought, oh, it's over. But I'm then done. I started, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I had a, contractions and I had really heavy bleeding. I was throwing up. I mean, I, I was in labor, <laughs> like, like a, a labor. Um, yes. I mean, and, and so then um, mm. after I passed the second sack, uh, that's when it started to ease up. And whenever I talk to people about loss, I always refer to it as like, it's like, you just know when it's over because you just have like this relief, this physical relief. And that's the only thing I can explain it as. That's what I felt. Yeah. Be- because you just yeah. know. Well, because like, I mean, the pain, the physical pain as you're going through it, it can be so intense that as soon as it comes out, or at least yeah, for me, I had the same feeling. So I had a 16 week miscarriage while I was home by myself. This is now eight years ago, but uh, the experience was so traumatizing and so dramatic that it, it, it changed my personal and professional life in, in all ways I could say. Um, I was roiling in pain just before it came out. She came out. Uh, and yeah, that, that moment of relief when the pain ends is just wild because it's like, of course you're anything but relieved to lose this wanted pregnancy, but the physical agony is finally over. Right. I think you refer to it, you refer to it in your book as animalistic. And I really related Mm. to that because that's exactly what it felt like. It's like, you know, it's just like, you know what to do to care in that moment. And you kind of like put everything aside and it's just, it's an odd instinct that it's just, it's crazy to witness. And I always, um, I refer to it, especially in my writing as morbidly beautiful because Mm. it's such a horrible thing, but it really showed me, um, although I was angry with my body, it showed me like a new relationship with my body. I, I witnessed my body do something totally different. And so, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's a morbidly beautiful, but absolutely horrible thing um, that I hate that so many people understand. It's like the, the, as you said, no two losses are the same, right? So it's like, I don't know if you experienced this, but I ha- I've had so many people say to me over, over the years, and especially in the immediate aftermath of my loss, like, oh, I would have died if I went through what you went through. Or, you know, don't you wish it would have happened where you went in and there was no heartbeat and you learned that way. Like, we all experience it how we do. And then we just kind of have to, we're required to make peace with it, make meaning of it, uh, you know, digest it, however it happened for us. And, and so comparing and contrasting our loss experience to somebody else's, oh, you know, at least you were in the first trimester, at least you have a healthy child, at least, at least, at least, I mean, these things are so painful and so almost laughable how, um, unfair and unempathic these kinds of uh, statements can be. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it totally like dismisses 
the at least statements are probably my least favorite one you know, because it's they're <laughs> yeah. so dismissive of of what you've been through. I used to hear at least it happened early. I yes. also heard um, you're young and have plenty of time, but I was young and had two miscarriages back to back. You know, exactly. that that's not normal. That's not okay. Just because right. I'm young. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I actually made a note. Uh, I put, there are multiple times throughout this book where comments that other people made to you after your loss made my jaw drop. And so that goes right in par with what we were saying, because I was listening to the audiobook, especially, and like hearing you say what other people have said to you. Mm. I'm just like, I cannot believe like that people would even try to justify a loss at all. But whenever you're telling somebody that you literally gave birth at home by I yourself, know. Know. you know, had had to go to the hospital with your baby uh, and then they come back with like, well, maybe something was wrong. Or, you know, like, it's just, it blows my mind that anybody could think to say something like that. I don't get it. I why, don't, I don't get it. I, why? Why can't people think before they speak? And then I, and then I do, I try to force myself sometimes. It's not, not so much recently, but, um, you know, soon after my loss, I tried to force myself to think about like, have I said this stupid shit to people? Mm-hmm. Like, have I you know, um, tried so hard to like not feel the pain of somebody else's like, so just by saying something like that, just so that I don't have to go to this place with them. I mean, I really hope I've never said that before, but I see how tempting it is for people to rely on platitudes because they don't want to get cozy with the uncomfortable pain that we're in. Yeah. You know, so it's like, they mean well, but why can't people mean well by simply saying, how are you doing? Or I love you. I'm here with you. Or, you know, I am so sorry for your loss. Right. And, and I think I carried that over into my rainbow pregnancy and having my son mm. because people still don't talk to you when you're postpartum with a yes. full-term live baby. They don't talk to you very nicely or they say question. I don't know. Like I just people say things about your weight or they say things like, and you know, it's just, it's crazy. The things that women have to endure in like all reproductive stages. And so I think I carried that with me because I remembered what people said to me after my losses. And then when those same people said the wrong thing, when I was postpartum after my son, I was like, okay, so you're just not somebody that I'm going to talk to. (laughs) That's right. And also (laughs) no one brings up your losses after you have a healthy child. No one. Never. You know, Mm -mm. it's not like, oh, how are you feeling now that you have a healthy child? Like, are you feeling anxious or are you feeling Mm -hmm. calm? Do you feel a sense of relief? Like how, what's your grief like now? Like nobody, people just want to pretend like it never happened because you get this, you know, quote unquote, happy ending that everybody is so invested in, you know? I had somebody say to me as they met my son, I'm so glad that your body was able to hold on to this one. Oh, I, it's like, I am not even joking. Like that's one of the postpartum comments. And, and to that person, they just meant to say, I love this baby so much. Thank you for bringing him safely into this world. But like, there are a million other ways to say it. I mean, people are just terrible. It's just so sad. It's like, Mm. 
How are we so inept at talking about hard things? Why? I guess it's really about sort of the fear of feeling feelings, right? Oh, yeah. And we're taught, you know, uh, another thing that you mentioned, um, and I don't want to keep going, well, like in the book, you mentioned this because I don't want to give away (laughs) too much because I want people to read. I love it. Keep talking about um, the book. (laughs) Well, you mentioned that, you know, the generational difference between our mothers and grandmothers is one, the technology. So, you know, we can Mm. see pregnancies much clearer, much earlier than they could. So we're more attached at an earlier gestation, but also like we, because we talk about it, it's just, it's very different between generations to where they shoved it all down. And then they tried to teach us to shove it all down to where, when we talk back about it, they're, uh, they're uncomfortable. They totally are. They're just, they're very uncomfortable. Like um, you mentioned that you grew up in a Jewish family. And so I grew up in a Jewish family and I, I was really interested in some of the things that you said, because you mentioned, um, you mentioned something about in Judaism. um, I can't remember the exact term, but I think it's like, you don't tell anybody before the 12th week, right? Mm-hmm. Because well, there's you some don't want... superstition. Uh-huh. Right. So my mom always told me that there's a superstition in the, with Jewish women that uh, you don't get the baby's room ready until right. the baby's They're... born. And so like sure. your family gets them ready while you're in the hospital. Yep. And so that made me think of that. And I was like, that's so crazy. My mom didn't have a room ready for me until I came home from the hospital because they thought it was like a bad omen. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Wait. So, and she had no history of losses. She did. And so that was another thing that it brought up because mm. of the Jewish religion. So my mom had a loss at 12 weeks. She lost at home by herself. And I knew about this miscarriage growing up. I didn't know the details. Um, I always Wait, knew this I had was a... before you or after you, after me, I was a year old. Mm-hmm. Um, So I knew that I had a brother or sister in heaven. That was the way it was explained to me. But I also knew not to talk about my brother or sister to like the outside world. Like that was just our family's thing. Right. And so so um, they believed in, they talked about heaven, even though you're Jewish. Yeah. Did you not, wait, did you guys not talk about heaven? No, we don't do, we don't do heaven. Really? That's so funny. Does, does your family believe in hell then as well? No, just, no, they just, just believe heaven. in heaven. Oh, yeah. fascinating. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That is fast. I've never heard if, if other Jewish people didn't believe in heaven. I don't know if that's just specific to my family. They're a little, Maybe. they're a little, well, they were, well, are um, they both, are both of your parents Jewish? My mom's side was Orthodox. My dad converted. Interesting. But, yeah. And, but then they went down, like they kept going down a notch like Judaism <laughs> level and so right. uh, it's interesting and it's so off topic my dad converted to Judaism because his parents um were Catholic and they my dad's dad's family were legit Nazis in the Holocaust and like what? I have I have interesting family wait, I, wait, wait, what yeah, yeah like it goes totally off topic sorry but um my dad's dad's dad was a Nazi in the Holocaust and like raised my grandpa who I never knew. I never had a relationship. My dad didn't have a relationship with either. Um, not like, not to like 
Jewish people. And so my dad, to spite him at 20 years old, converted all on his own and then met my mom, who was already Jewish. Amazing. Isn't that, it's a very interesting. Um, oh, wow. Well, either your dad or you, I think, are set to write a memoir that very much gets into <laughs> this because, wow, yeah. that's really fascinating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I could totally, I have dysfunctional uh, family drama for days, but my mom... <laughs> Who does So my mom um, was pregnant right after me uh, and she lost the baby at 12 weeks. She was told that there was no heartbeat um, and she was waiting for, I think she was either waiting for it to happen naturally or just, she doesn't remember all the details, Uh, but she went into labor essentially at home and miscarried at home in her toilet. My dad was at work. Um, Where were you? I have no idea. I think you were there. Oh, I had to have been there. Um, She had, she called an ambulance to take her to the hospital. And my grandma came and got me is, is what I'm told. And then, Mm. so she had a DNC in the hospital and her mom picked her up from the hospital and just wasn't spoken about. It was just something that happened. And so all these years later with me being so open, my mom's yeah. my mom tells me she's like it's so refreshing that you talk so openly because nobody's ever talked about like I've never been able to talk about this and so we we dove into wow. it like the details and we actually found that um there's a lot of generational trauma there just even with yes. her miscarriage and the way that it was handled Definitely. between her and my dad and her and her parents and then that really affected my relationship with her my entire life which is, it's just so interesting. And so the whole, the whole generational aspect is interesting. Did she go on to get pregnant again? She did. She had my brother. Okay. Mm -hmm. And he, oh, and he was the favorite. And now like, I understand. Yeah. So he was like the favorite, the golden child, the miracle baby. And so, you know, that also affected our relationship. Big time. Yeah. So you know, growing up, I never knew those things. So I just thought me and my mom didn't have a great relationship. There was a period of time where we didn't speak. And um, we have like, in the last few years, really dove into that. And it all really stems from miscarriage trauma. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Wow. So I'm serious. I can't let this go. I think (laughs) either you could write a piece about this. We could do something together and, or this is like a book because this is, I'm fascinated and so troubled by this because that's exactly the thing. It's Mm -hmm. like these family secrets. And this is one that should not be a family secret, but like these things that happen to us that we tuck in, they affect us and our relationships with other family members in huge important ways and yeah the fact that you were there is really poignant you know yeah you you were tiny I wonder if she meant to get pregnant that quickly after you uh I believe that she did um because she was on birth control between not trying to conceive and so so it was like a choice to get pregnant. Um, she got pregnant very quickly with me. So she thought she'd have no problem. Got pregnant really quickly with the second pregnancy. And she said like whenever they told her that her baby was dead, she she was like, what do you mean? Like, 
that doesn't happen, you know? I know it doesn't, it shouldn't happen, but surely does. Mm -hmm. Which then also brings me into another thing I wrote down because it was so interesting. I don't remember. I think it was either your friend or a family member that said something about your loss being karma. And that's what reminded me about your, my Jewish family, because you Mm. talk about like not knowing if you've done something wrong in the past, if that's like the karma she's talking about. And so I, I, I think uh, what I got from that was because yes. of your work in like uh, maternal health and hearing about miscarriage and helping people through loss and, you know, helping pe- people through the decision of an abortion. Like, I think that that's the karma because that's the way like Jewish moms and Jewish families work, mm. at least in my experience. Wait, say that again. So wait, so (laughs) meaning because I had been doing this so long, the karma piece is what to, to then experience it firsthand now? Yeah. Yeah. Because you surrounded yourself with it, you know? So it's like, um, that's what I took from it to how my family, like if I, my Jewish family, if I were to talk about it, that's what they would think. But meaning so karma, not like, oh, you've done something wrong, but karma, right. like this will allow you to help people more or something. No. Kind of like for an example, my mom asked me, she said, because you talk about your miscarriages so often and, and you help other people, aren't you worried that you'll have more miscarriages? And so it's kind of like that but is what- magical thinking. I know, but that's, I think that's like a, that's my Jewish family. That's their Jewish ah. mind to where the karma is that I talk about miscarriage oh. so much. I'm manifesting it for myself. Never. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. See, this is where it's just fascinating the way, <laughs> the different ways in which people think, you know, Yeah. because I come from a family, you know, where there's a handful of doctors and it's like, they're just so medically minded about the science and the chromosomes and the research surrounding pregnancy loss. So there, whenever I tell them about like, Oh, this person said karma or that person said it happened for a reason or, you know, it's like, what the, what the F, you know, like nothing of the sort is possible. Um, And yet everybody holds different beliefs. So that's interesting. I felt like when the person said to me, Oh, the karma, yeah, it felt like she was kind of saying like, geez, Jessica, like whatever it is you did before is what led mm-hmm. to right now. Like, cause I started, I think it was in the book where I started, I thought I was done finally bleeding after the miscarriage. Like it felt like I bled for weeks and, and I thought the bleeding was done and then the bleeding began again. And I conveyed that to her. Um, and I, I, I was so flabbergasted. I I truly, I never even really had the opportunity to talk it through with her. I think I brought it up with her and her kind of defense was, oh, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I don't know the definition of karma, but that still didn't, you know, do anything for me in a, in a sort of like, it didn't help undo the pain or the hurt, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, we just have to be so careful with words and we have to be, I think, careful and mindful of like different philosophical viewpoints, because when we try to like fling them onto other people and they don't 
sit well, it's like, wow, that can really sort of alienate the entire relationship. Yeah, you know? totally. Yeah. Are you still friends with that person today? Or did you talk to her about that story before the book came out? Uh, how do I answer that without throwing the person <laughs> under the bus? It's, it's not a friend. It's someone oh, okay. that I will have to, I will be in a relationship with for forever. Yes. So, oh, got it. Got it. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, it's, yeah. So, you know, I, it's interesting because as you also probably read, you know, my mom didn't do well either after my loss. And so it's interesting how like sometimes we can make a decision, a strong decision to like take somebody out of our lives who say something horrible, you know? Uh, and then there are other experiences where it's like, wow, but this is a family member. Like, what am I to do? You know, it's like, not that we can't cut out family members if it's that egregious, but like, it's a lot to consider. Yeah. Uh, you're talking to somebody <laughs> who didn't talk to her mom for eight years and who's my mom didn't talk. Yep. Yeah, and my mom didn't talk to her dad for a while. So like, I'm telling you, I, there's eight layers, years, but eight, not eight years based on your fertility and miscarriages, eight years based yeah. on other things. Wow. Yeah. And so I actually didn't have a relationship with her during my infertility and my two losses. We reconnected when I was pregnant with my rainbow. Wow. Mm -hmm. I hope you're, I hope you're writing a lot of this down on scraps of paper. No, I do. That's how I get my stuff out. Like, and good. I don't hold it in, but, um, good. good. but, but, you know, a lot of people, especially with fertility and, and miscarriage, they encounter people that don't understand what they're doing, especially if they have to go the route of IVF. There's so much judgment with IVF. And that's true. Wait, I'm, so did you do IVF? I didn't. I, I didn't, was very no. lucky to, to, to get pregnant with uh, a less invasive. Yes. Yeah, me protocol, too. But. Me too. Yeah. Well, what are you seeing? What do you hear as the judgment around IVF? You mean just that someone would spend the money or what are you hearing? Oh, about yeah. Um, mm. the, the judgment that, you know, somebody would spend the money, that somebody would mm. fundraise the money, that somebody oh. would do IVF when they it's to be adopted, which is just, oh yeah, no. no so, and no. you know, there's just, there's such a stigma of like, well, you know, mm. I've heard somebody say a family member told them that maybe this is God's way of telling them that they oh, should have kids. And I'm just, oh, come on now. I know. And so there's a lot with IVF. I think that there's a lot of misconception also because of like celebrities, like true doing it to plan twins and no that's and very like that. true so people, a lot of people yeah. do that no you're right yeah yeah it's like I just think we need to stay out of people's business uh especially right. our you know uteruses and vaginas and it's just like let us build our families the way that we see fit and yeah so I mean I find it fascinating too because I do think that one thing that you know, an aspect of loss that we so rarely discuss in the community is sort of like the history that we bring with us to the loss, right? So like our history 
of previous losses, not of pregnancies, but of other things like even relationships or like the relationships, you know, the complexities with our own parents, our mothers, uh, our siblings. Uh, so, so that I think, you know, it's kind of interesting to hear you didn't have a mom to process this with, you know, and yeah. to turn to, to really hear like, what was it like for you after your loss? Or here's what I'm going through. Uh, because, you know, some people have very big reactions to, let's say a chemical pregnancy and others, you know, don't think it's a big deal at all. Right. So it's right. like, why is that? It has to do with our psychology, our perspectives, our past experience, you know? Yeah. And, and so that was, I think, the thing in, in the book that you mentioned was in Jewish religion, believing that life begins at mm. birth. And my family, they believed that life began at conception. And so oh. it's so interesting how different Jewish families you know, I, I grew up hearing a totally different thing. And so I found that so fascinating. Well, I don't know if your mom has read the Bible, <laughs> the, the Old Testament, because there's surely not, there's no mention of heaven. And I don't know if you went to Hebrew school, but I went to Jewish day school, not, I mean, just through, I think, um, seventh or eighth grade, but no, there, there's definitely wasn't, um, an inclusion of heaven, definitely not hell. Uh, and yeah, Which I, mean, I, I went to Hebrew school too. I went to Hebrew school. I went to um, a camp every summer. Oh, and like heaven was mentioned multiple times. That's why I like. I'm fascinated that we have such totally different upbringings of the same religion because it's so interesting. Wow. Well, we need like a whole. I know, you know, event scheduled around this, I think, so that we can really talk about this because so, so that's interesting. So you felt then as soon as you conceived, like you envisioned it as a baby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, and, and I don't think that had to do with my religion because I'm, I'm right. not very religious now. Um, yeah. I don't consider yeah. myself religious by any means. Um, I think that I believe in heaven because I don't know what else to put in that place. And, mm. and, you know, it's, it's a nice thought that my babies are in heaven and, you know, I have no idea. Um, so <laughs> now it's different to where like I have my own feelings, but for me, I connected, especially to my first pregnancy right away. And I mm. thought of it as a baby and, and, you know, you mourn more than that baby or mourning yes. the due date and the birthday and yes. the first day of school and the milestones. And so I think that that's the interesting thing about miscarriages. It's more than it. You're not losing memories that you made with somebody for, you know, 30 years of your life. It's somebody you didn't know, but you have that's this exactly. whole picture totally. in your head. Totally. And so it's very, it's just, and, and sometimes it can be confusing with grief um, of early yes. miscarriages. Completely. And so did you, because the baby came out at home, like, did you memorialize in any specific way? Like, did you do anything with the fetus or like, uh, did your doctor suggest you bring it to be tested or? No, I, um, and I regret it all the time, but I flushed. Um, I, I threw it. 
Yeah. I threw it in the, in the toilet and flush. I didn't know what else to do. I, of course, I, everyone does know, that. It seems. Yeah. Well, and I didn't know that what fell on the floor was one of the sacks. And so it was explained that like it breaks mm-hmm. into two sacks in the first trimester loss. It's one is like where the baby is and the amniotic fluid would be in there. And then the bigger mm-hmm. one is the actual the placenta. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. so, or like the gestational sack, like the outer layer. I have no mm. idea if I'm explaining it remotely correct. Um, but that's how it was explained to me by my doctor. I see. And so I didn't know that what fell on the floor. I, I mm. didn't know. It, it just, it looked like a very big blood clot. Like it, yeah. I couldn't see anything. And so, um, mm-hmm. so I just, I picked, I picked it up with tissue and yes, it, it's a, it's a hard thing, but it is again, a hard like, thing. I didn't know that it was okay to talk about it this openly um, I know. until like Instagram and people, yes. it really is a movement. Mm. You know, I had a miscarriage in saying that and owning it. And so I think <laughs> it's just, I'm very thankful to you. You're going to make me cry. No. <laughs> well, I definitely don't mean to. It just really is so, it's amazing to me what we live through that we don't talk about openly and like yeah no one talks about like what do you do when the thing is at home like my my baby was big enough and again I I called her a fetus for a really long time but eventually I decided to I I interchanged the words I guess but I mean I had I had to bring her to be tested anyway to my doctor's office but like her size was too big. I wouldn't have been able to like flush it down the toilet, but I have heard this endlessly that people do that because they don't know what else to do. And what, what else would you do? Yeah. And we're not really prepared for that. I have a a miscarriage handout and Mm. on the miscarriage handout, it says like, it's okay if you flush and it it kind of gives that permission because- there's so much guilt when we don't know if that's what other people do. Exactly. You know, and and we don't know that there's options. Yeah. And people also don't know that they can collect their baby, no matter the gestation and Mm. call a funeral home and have them cremated. Like a funeral homes will do that. And um, they will. mm -hmm. And I I didn't know that. At any, any phase, any stage. Um, I think it's probably up to the discretion of like the funeral home director. But mm. from what I've heard, I've, um, uh, some of my, uh, some of my clients I've walked through miscarriage, I've told them that that is an option to collect and they can either do a burial themselves or they can call a funeral home and see if they'll do, um, a cremation. And most of the time they tell me that they, um, agree to do it for no charge. Wow. And I, mm-hmm. So like people I, have hearts. <laughs> I love hearing that. I do so badly wish that I had even had the presence of mind, let alone the information to ask my doctor after they tested the fetus uh, if we could do something like cremation. It didn't even occur to me because, you know, I was 16 weeks along. I definitely had sat with patients who had had first trimester losses, I really hadn't been with people through second trimester losses, but I had been working with people who had had stillbirths. And of course, with stillbirth, you're offered very different options. 
but because I was 16 weeks, I, it's like, I didn't know I could have anything. Yeah. It's like an in-between. It is an Mm in-between. Yeah. And I remember in my rainbow pregnancy with my son, like once I got to the second trimester, instead of being so joyous and like, oh, I got further than ever. I then thought, well, now if I lose this baby, I have to give birth and like, I have to see this baby. And so it, it, I know once you're aware of loss and the effects of it, it just kind of, there's Mm. never, there's never a safe zone. And I know you you mentioned the safe safe zone zone. and you don't know it until you go through it, unfortunately, but. I know I, it's like the envy that I have of my previous self, like in my first pregnancy, since it was smooth and uneventful. And like, I was totally naive, even though I was, you know, hearing all of these horror stories, I just, until it happens to you, it hasn't happened to you. Yeah. Totally. And you just think like, Oh, the 12 week mark, we're good. Or, Oh, the 20 week scan, we're good. No, not necessarily. Yeah, not at all. And I, and I think that that's, what's great about people sharing their stories. um, Yes. You know, in present day, because it's making it more we're more knowledgeable. It's where we know that anything can happen. And it's not that knowing about it will cause it to happen, but we know that there's resources if it does happen to us. And I think that that's really important. Yes, me too. Yeah. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for chatting about miscarriage and, you know, what a morbid topic, but um, I really enjoyed talking with you and I loved your book. I, um, I tell people that it's, really the perfect book for no matter what stage you're in after your miscarriage journey, because it covers both like going through miscarriage, but it also validates the crap out of grief afterwards. Like for years <laughs> and so I validates think that's really the important. crap out of grief. That's awesome. Yeah. I got to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's, it's more than like a, it's not like a miscarriage handbook or, or no. anything like that. It's really, mm. it's really just about grief it like if you get down to it and so um yes yeah I I loved it and thank you for writing it thanks for being here I can't thank you enough for reading it and for having me here and for all the important and amazing work that you're doing as well thank you Jessica okay okay I'm stopping